The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. I'm Dan Roth, Editor-in-Chief here at LinkedIn, and welcome to This Is Working, a show where I talk with people who have an outsized impact on our professional world. And with me, I have my producer, Laura. Hey, Dan. Who do we have on the show today? We have Patty Jenkins today. Did you see Wonder Woman? Yes, I did. It was great, right? It was good. Yeah. Patty's probably the most successful female director in the history of Hollywood. She won an Oscar for her very first feature, Monster. And for her upcoming sequel to Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984, she negotiated a salary that's unheard of in the industry. It's reported to be between 7 and $9 million. One of the most interesting things about this interview I found was the way Patty thinks about how she negotiates her salary. Now, she thinks about her career and what she's asking for like a ladder. If she can move up the rungs, there it enables other people to move up behind her as well. So when she's asking for more money, it makes it a lot easier for the next female director to ask for more money. Patty has already raised the bar. There is an obvious downside to that as well, though, which is that she is afraid that ladder can easily become a slide. If she messes up, it brings down other female directors too. That is an incredibly heavy weight to carry on your shoulders, and Patty and I talked about what it means and whether it's fair. She also gave a lot of advice to younger workers, people who want to break into the industry, and her advice was basically just keep throwing yourself against the wall. Find that hole. There is always a hole. And one thing that she said that I found pretty controversial is that she is not at all opposed to free labor. She says you should be willing to work for free to get your foot in the door. I think that's something that people have generally stayed away from these days, but she says you got to do it. That's the way that you break into this place. All right, here's my conversation with Patty Jenkins. Patty, thank you so much for joining us here today. One of the things that you've talked about very openly is, is how much weight you put on yourself to yeah. in the decisions that you make and how ne you negotiate for your paycheck, that what you're doing will have a ripple beyond just you and your family, that you are doing things that might set precedent for other women in Hollywood. Yeah. Would you talk about that? Sure, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to find yourself in this position. There has been, there's obviously a huge pay disparity in it, and there's been, a, you know, a disparity of success in across the board, and we're all becoming more aware of that. I was never so aware of it years ago, but now I really uh, see it. And there are a couple of things in place that keep that as it is. In Hollywood, the thing that has been keeping it that way, there's a, there is something that we call uh, the quote system, which makes sense if, if you are someone who's been hired for X amount of money and now you're being hired, you're, you know, another time, you can either ask for a small raise or whatever, subsequently you get, you, you move your way up. However, always when people have big successes, it breaks the rules of right. that. They go from being on a soap opera to being a movie star, it breaks those rules. But it has, it, one of the places where it really fails is when it, it's, it's holding women to build up their quote system the same way men do because women have had a harder time getting their movies made. And so it means that if you direct a lot less often, you're never getting that chance to build your, your, your rate up. I definitely felt that some of that was at, at play in our industry. And so I did take it very seriously to say, I, we could talk about those things all day long, but at the end of the day, I don't care I want to be being paid a parallel to the men who are directing blockbusters of this type. 
And the only way that we ever get here is by saying that that's absolutely necessary for, for, for me to make a stand. And so I was very lucky that I got supported to do that, but it's never pleasant to be, because it's also, it's an interesting thing. A lot of women have talked about, um, you know, everybody has talked about how women are looked down upon for asking for money. And it's seen in a much more uh, unflattering light. And that's a bummer, you know, but because there really was a period of time that that negotiation was going on. And I was hearing about it talked about in the public eye where you do hear a lot of the the descriptives around it where it's like, whoa, is she all about the money? And you're like, yeah, this is this is how it happens. This is how it happens. If I was a guy and I was playing hardball, it would be totally different. But as a woman playing hardball, it was treated a little differently. So, you know. I've seen it happen with other friends of mine who were women who'd had to go through the same thing and you just have to muscle through it. It was, it was, it was made much easier because I believed in the, its importance. Right, you're talking about the negotiation for, yeah. Wonder, for the Wonder yeah. Woman sequel. Yeah, if not me who right. says I, I want to be getting paid the exact same as the men who are directing parallel successes. But typically in a negotiation, you get to go in and just represent yourself. What am I, what do I need to be successful? Now you have to go in and say, what do yeah. I do that will actually talk to other women and put other women on this path? Yeah. And is that... Women's whole careers are... Some, sometimes, or at least not all women, but many women's whole careers are that way. Who was it? I was just listening to uh, the in the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary mm -hmm. where she was talking about... I could, I had to be excellent because if I dropped the ball, it was speaking for all women. I couldn't relate more. There was, you know, there have been other projects that I courted and talked about doing, and they worked out to be perfectly good projects, but I knew that they weren't going to be good enough. And that if they, that they were, I was going to be taking a step back for hmm. my entire gender. If I did it and it didn't work out, it was gonna be a huge blow for everybody. And so I said, I can't afford to make a dodgy movie or it says something about, oh, women directors can't direct this kind of thing. I have to, I have to be uh, representing that at the same time as I'm thinking about my career to a certain extent. Do you get to a point where you no longer have to think that way? Hopefully. I mean, I'm, only, I'm almost hoping that I'm there now to a certain extent just because I hope that things are changing and you know, you're gonna make all different kinds of things and hopefully that lets it all, I'm not doing a first right now. Right. You know, like when you're doing firsts, that's when it's like, oh God, <laughs> you're, you're representing a lot. Yeah, so are you looking out to see other examples of when you feel like you've crossed over and it's no longer about first, that you're like, all right, this is standard now. Women get paid enough and we don't have to go in and ask for, when we do dodgy movies, it reflects just badly on us. It doesn't reflect yeah. on the entire gender. We're not there yet, but I'm hoping that it's right around the corner. Okay. Yeah. And certainly there are women who have gotten to great power in their careers. You know, Oprah Winfrey, J.K. Rowling. There are people who have become incredibly established in their success, and it's no longer a question. They are successful and powerful people. I think that's wonderful. I talk to a lot of business leaders. I never ask men these questions. Yeah. This is, never comes up like, oh, you made a bad decision with your company. Don't you think that reflects badly on men also? Are you? Amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. Are Gosh. you sick of hearing these questions? I mean, does this the kind of no, thing you're I, like, enough? I'm, I'm a little, I'm uh I'm a lot of things. I'm complex. I have complex thoughts about it because it was a surprise that it would be such topic in my career because I didn't realize that we were. I had grown up watching lots of films by all kinds of women and men and all kinds of international. Living in New York, what you watch is very uh, uh, universal. And even before I lived here, you're seeing indie films and small right. films. So I was surprised where we were in the world when I realized this was such an issue, women directors and 
you know, different kinds of stories. Um, so therefore, yes, it's a bummer that it so defines one's career, but I'm also aware that it has to be talked about. So therefore, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to talk about it. I don't want to stick my head in the sand. It's, it's a real issue. You talk a little bit about your work ethic. I've seen people talk about you on set. You're there before everyone else is. You're there after they leave. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, it's nice to hear. Do you consider yourself? A, how do you describe I, yourself as a, as a manager I do, or director? I do consider myself. It, it's not that I consider myself an extremely mm -hmm. hard worker. I do believe in the uh, discipline of working hard. So I am trying to always give absolutely everything I have to something. It's interesting. I'm probably that way anyway, and I probably, my father was a fighter pilot and very that way as well. And so I, I probably come from, from that training, even in, as, as a child. But as I, I hearken back to the, when I was a PA, which is production assistant in film, right out of college in 94, I ended up getting a chance to meet a camera crew who did very high-end commercials. And they were very skeptical of me, and they said, sure, you can work for us if you're gonna work for free for six months and you have to memorize absolutely everything about cameras. You have to be here three hours early, you have to take part of a lens, wanna know the flange, focal distance of every camera. And so I came into this industry thinking, wow, that's the way it goes. So I'm so grateful now to that training because for the first nine years of my career working as a camera person, I thought that's where how it had to be done. Mm -hmm. You have to be, you cannot fail, it has to be, tack on. I have carried that over to my directing career where it's like gotta be there before call, an hour before call at least and so that you can see what's happening and you have to be prepared and all of those things. You know, definitely there are a lot of directors I deeply admire who do it totally differently and I don't know, you know, that that's their way of, that's their style. This is my style is that I, I sort of believe in that kind of approach. And do you expect the people you work with to have that same approach? Not as extremely. I feel like if, if, certainly when you're working, like we just did a 123 day shoot, everybody doesn't have to be there an hour early. I'm the director. I'm the person who's responsible for having answers for everything that happens that day. And I'm the person who could stop the ship if I don't like that rug. Right. So for me, I put that on myself because I don't want to be wasting time once we start shooting because I just got here and I just realized I hate that rug, mm -hmm. you know? So that's my own, but you know, my crew, who just needs to come and is working very long hours and long days, they they don't have to do that. But I do expect, yes, I do expect seriousness about work. I'm not great when people went out drinking all night long and aren't prepped or something. That would definitely be unacceptable for me. So they show up, they think it's totally fine. You're going to joke around with them. And you're that like, would that definitely would rub me the wrong way. <laughs> I've been lucky <laughs> to get to work with a lot of great professionals. And do you are, are you someone? Do you like to uh, take people under your wing? Do you like to to in, do you like to have interns? Do you how do you make sure that people are, are learning beside you? Are you doing it hands-on or you just expect them to watch and see how you operate? I think it's a little of everything. I feel like all of my assistants, one of whom is here today out in the next room, are all young filmmakers mm -hmm. often. They're people who are smart and capable and I and I and they're probably the people that I, there are people like that on the set that I train the most and I have a few associate producers who I work with in that way. Um, 
Yeah, I try to. I probably don't do a good enough job, but I, de I definitely care about everybody having a good time and, you know, or a, a, a healthy and productive and safe time. It's not always a good time. Right. <laughs> it's, it's often it hard work. work. Yeah. It rains and uh, right. it's cold. And yeah. you have, you're, you're, you have a, you're back in TV. You're doing yeah. uh, um, a few episodes of I Am The Night. Yes. And since you last have done TV, the world of episodic storytelling has changed with Hulu and Netflix entering and playing a much bigger role. Yeah. Have you noticed the difference? Big time. Yeah. It was interesting. When I made Monster and it was successful, it was such an intense experience making that film. And I have always worked. When I was a camera person, I worked all the time. So I remember immediately facing that whatever my next film was going to be was my next film. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to pick the right one and I wanted to write the right one, but I also wanted to work in the meantime because I believe in kind of working on spec a lot of the time. So I didn't want to go to choosing a feature uh, for money. So I made a concerted effort to go into television and it was unusual then to be working in that direction. Everybody was very taken aback and kind of like, why would you want to do TV? And I was saying, because I want to work and because I like to learn at the same time. So by doing, you know, I went immediately and did Arrested Development. I loved the show. It was my favorite show. I loved the actors and was friends with some of them. And it was great. It was shooting in a different style. I had come up around a lot of comedy. So it was nice to jump in into that after doing something so dark. And then I started moving on to doing pilots and that's m more akin to doing a feature because a lot of people don't know what a pilot director does. A pilot director takes a script and turns it into a show. Right. So you're, you're looking at just pages and then you cast it and you build the sets and you build everything. And so, and then you may not stay, but it's still, that's, it's a very attractive um, pursuit for, for a director. And gradually over those years, TV started, to, more and more people started to cross back and forth and do both. And now it's becoming much more fluid, but it's, there's still something interesting about it. Like there's something funny about like what, what counts and what doesn't. I think we're just now starting to get to the place where it's like, I don't see the difference that much. I did this as a limited series because it was the right way to tell this mm -hmm. story. And I do a feature because uh, the way to see it is on the, is on the screen in a massive audience, you know? You do things for the right place. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. But when you did Arrested Development, yeah. when you went and started doing TV, instead of following the traditional feature path, was there any part of you that worried that maybe you were taking yourself out of the running for films in the future? 
kind of. You, I worry, you worry about everything. Mm. You worry, and any choice that you make does that. However, I do consider myself a writer-director, and so I don't want to just do every feature. And the, those, I didn't have a feature that came to my desk that I wanted to do, but yet there were many that I wanted to write. And I don't believe in development process a lot of the time. So... It, what, is, what does that mean? So development do process is I go and I pitch a studio. Right. I want to write this thing. Pay me X amount of money to write it. Right. They say yes. I was hot off the heels of Monster. A lot of people were going to say yes. And... But then you start to make the movie with that person and they start giving you notes and you t it turns out that you aren't creatively in sync at all. And now they own the project. That's a lose, that's doesn't, as a writer director, that's very little, that's a lot of power for very little, uh, it's, it's a lot of money, but it's like you own now everything that I'm doing mm -hmm. basically. So for me, I just thought for features, let me just write them on my own and then you'll know whether you are on the same page. Then we'll have something we're talking so about. So do you counsel people out of doing the development process? I would, if, particularly if it was someone new, I would, I would, cause I think like give the things that you do the very best chance to succeed hmm. and the very best chance of succeed is keep it whole and un. Un, undiluted as long as possible. Because then you can really find the right partners. Um, yeah. This show, I Am The Night, we wrote almost all the scripts before we ever sold it. It was what it was. And when we were able to go out with it, we were able to say, this is it. And this is when we want to shoot it. And this is how it is. So anyway, it's just something that I believe in. I, I've suffered for it as well. The downsides are, um, you know, in my case, I was always having to do another more work to make money. And in hindsight, I'm sort of like, if I'd just taken money to do the job I was doing, then it would have made it much easier. And nowadays, I actually am a staff, I know enough people in the place that I'm working that I that it's different. I would develop something with Warner Brothers. I know Warner Brothers very well. We would have a shorthand and and many of the other places in town too. I like know people and you know what you're dealing with. So it, it does change over time. Right, and you're in a much better negotiating position yeah. to say exactly what that development deal would look like. Yeah, exactly. Hulu and Netflix, other streamers, they are certainly changing um, how we get our entertainment and what we expect from entertainment. Does it have a, has it made any difference in how you think about your career or directing when you know you're not, for at least TV, you're not trapped into sec uh, episodes of a certain amount of time or a season of a certain amount of episodes? Yeah. You, I don't think you've done anything yet for Nef for any of those companies, but is it I changing haven't. how you think at all? Yeah, it's definitely, it's changed a number of things. It's changed the marketplace in that all kinds of different things are being made and that's wonderful. There was a chunk of time from when I when I first got into the industry and now where it was like the indie film died and there was no other outlet for it. So if you wanted to do anything but a tentpole, there was nowhere to go. That was I knew that wasn't going to last because how we've been telling, you know, those kinds of stories for forever of why would we stop now? I knew somebody was gonna figure out where to put them out and how. What I think is exciting about it is it was a narrow, are you doing a TV show that goes on and on and on? Or are you doing a big blockbuster and it has to be an IP big enough to fight for theaters in the mainstream market? Now there are all of these different, you know, Roma just getting nominated and yet it played in theaters, but it, yet it's for Netflix. There's all of these different sliding scales of like where you could make things for what, I think that's exciting. However, I also do not at all subscribe that it's a one or the other. When when a lot of people are talking about streaming, they're saying like, oh, it's the death of the studios. 
I don't believe that at all. I think the studios may need to downsize. They may have gotten too big. But when television was in, came around in the first place, they said people would stop going to the theaters. That's not why we go to the theaters. We don't go to the theaters because there's no other place to get a story told to you. We've had books and all kinds of things. There's many ways. We go to the theaters because we like a theater experience and we want to go out to the movies. You want to go on a date or you want to go somewhere with your friends. It's a special and unique thing that... I truly believe in and I hope it always stays and I believe it will always stay. So more outlets for amazing content is only a good thing in my opinion. Do you mind you're flying on a plane, you see someone on their phone watching a film that you have worked it's so hard on and they've got a little screen? Weird. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I've had it happen to really? me a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, in the beginning of my career when it was Monster, it was deeply uncomfortable because it's such a serious and dark movie. Right. And you're like, oh God, this is, I am, wow, you are doing this on a plane, okay. Um, and now with Wonder Woman, it's fantastic because right. it actually doesn't bother me that they're, that they're light with it because it's, of course, it's, a, uh, it's more serious to me, but the fact that you're watching it and that it's, it's made to be a mainstream movie that you, that you engage with in that way is, is wonderful. What kind of career advice do you give people? There must be people coming to you all the time saying, how do I get into Hollywood? Should I follow your path? What do you tell young people in particular who want to get in? You know, the only thing I really say is that there, my husband uh, told me a great analogy, I can't remember where he got it, that it's like, that, that Hollywood or success in this industry in particular is like a brick wall and like holes will pop through and then they close back up. Mm -hmm. And so you have to find your own hole. I think that it's literally perseverance and passion, but perseverance first and foremost. I've, I've, I have passed in, on, in the d journey to get to being a director, so many people who were very talented, right. extremely talented, who who d changed their mind or didn't want to do it or didn't want to or you know gave up or any number of things. And I feel like the ones that I have watched who have made it, a lot of us have just kept trying and been tenacious about continuing to try. So I think it's like looking for any opening. My opening was so unusual and so many of them are. You know, I got through a B-movie backdoor mm -hmm. where nobody was interested in me or my career or what I wanted to do, but they were making straight to video serial killer movies and I happened to be a true crime buff. And so I said something super low stakes, let me make a movie about Eileen Warners for you. And they said, sure, fine, whatever. And then we ended up not being able to make a deal, but now I was already making it. It was an easy movie to get made, super easy, because they didn't, it was gonna sell to straight to video, so what difference does it make? And so it was a weird backdoor that then I was able to parlay that into expanding it into the film I truly wanted to make and make it something I was passionate about. But you never know. So you never know. Any, any of those things can work. Well, it's interesting because you're, you're offering very different advice at the beginning of your career than you suggest in the sort of middle or as you reach success, which is... How so? That's interesting. Well, you've talked a little bit about the idea of holding on, for instance, with no development deals. The idea right. that you need to hold on to everything you've got. You, you only pitch. You only go out True. with what you feel like is your strongest. When, when you're starting, you're looking for any kind of opening yes, that you think is out there. Yes, but it's still any kind of opening that you can do a great job uh -huh. at. You know, and so always my, advi my advice is in all cases being playing defense to thinking that you can parlay this always eyes on the prize to a great film, you know. And so I w that was the B movie door that opened, but there were many other doors. You know, I got offered a, a, um, uh, one of the Emmanuel movies as well mm -hmm. to direct on Showtime. And I was like, 
that's not going to that's not going to go. You know, that would be my first directing job, but that's not the career that I want, and I don't think I can make anything out of that. So no. And it was hard because you're not really hard, but it was. But you're you know you're you're desperate to be a director. So I think. It's all about trying to make films that you believe in and looking for any door to do it. The door that I found that I believed in the most was keeping control. That was hard, too, you know? So it's always about whatever suffering it takes to (laughs) to protect your film. Got it. And you had also done, you talked about being, working for free. You were an intern. You were were willing to work for free to be able to get that first, very first foot in the door. Is that something you recommend? Yes. Yeah, put yourself out there. Just say whatever. Yeah, definitely. I will will show up and you don't have to pay me to do this. Yes, and by the way, I don't come from a a privileged background either. So I was waiting tables at the same time. So I'm not, it's not advice I give Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that is, is saying that you have to be able to afford to not work. Finding a way to offer yourself for the time. So I took weekend shifts because those commercials and music videos were happening during the week. And then I would only take the ones that I could do and just only work super hard on the weekend. So it's like whatever you whatever you can do to to find a way to get the training. And it definitely helped. My my assistant before this, he came up to me and dedicated he at I was speaking at his college, Loyola Marymount. He said, I want to work for you. I had just had a baby and said, I don't need it. And he said, I'm going to work for you for free. I was like, I really don't. He was like, I'm going to. <laughs> he was with me for eight years. Wow. And now he co-produced the show. So it's like, it's, it's, it, it, it's getting that training and getting, your, getting what you need in whatever way you need to. That's great. Well, Patty, thank you so much for joining us here today. That was terrific. Thank you. So nice to meet you. All right. That was director Patty Jenkins. If you liked what you heard, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show. Also, share what you liked about the show using the hashtag ThisIsWorking. You can also follow me on LinkedIn and get my newsletter, which is called ThisIsWorking. I'm Dan Roth. Thanks for listening. This Is Working is produced by me, Laura Sim, with mixing by Joe DiGiorgi. Dave Pond is our technical director. Florencia Ariando is head of original audio and video. And we'll see you next week.